This is Brian Croft. Welcome to another edition of Trench Talk, the podcast of Practical Shepherding. And I am joined again with Jim Sebastio. Jim, good to see you. Good to see you, brother. Thanks for doing this with me. Uh, we want to jump in to the topic in a moment, uh, but we want to remind you that we have a new website, practicalshepherding.com. There's resources, a way you can reach us, seek help. If there's a way we can be helpful to you, that's the best way to, to reach us and our staff and our ministry would love to be able to help you if we can. So please write us. Don't hesitate to do that. And Jim, we want to jump. go ahead and jump right into this topic. And, and what we want to discuss, and this could go a ton of directions, but we want, we want to be able to just have a, uh, an episode on how do we understand, how does a pastor understand dealing with sin in the church? So in other words, that it's a really popular trend, you know, that a pastor stands up and preaches against kind of the sins of the culture. And everybody sitting there is a, says amen and we're all, you know, kind of you're kind Isn't of preaching. He bold? You're kind of he's preaching. so courageous. He's calling out the sins of the culture, and everybody can say amen because we're all talking about them out there and not in in our midst. What happens in a sense that First Corinthians five confrontation of Paul to the Corinthian church? He says, "There's sin in your midst. You're doing nothing about it." Yeah, and so you're so bragging. We, you're not great. So right? so Jim, how how can we as pastors? Think through. at the same time we we want to con, we want to deal with sin in love and right. in redemptive ways in the church because something that is also a popular topic today is how legalistic a lot of churches are and how crushing that is to people. Mm. So let's figure out how we find the balance of. So does that mean when we just don't deal with sin at all in the church because we don't want to be one of those we don't even want to look like one of those churches and I think that's a battle too. So. Well, yeah, how do we think through this? That's too? really good, Brian. So I, I think, first of all, we need to have our conscience informed that there are things that are peculiar even to our congregation. So I, I've been thinking about this recently because we're going through, when I when I lead our midweek prayer meeting, I'm taking our church through the the seven letters to the seven churches. Okay. And yep. so you find there that, you know, it's, it's one church. So like last night, it was Thyatira. Thyatira is like the opposite of the church at Ephesus. Right. So the church at Ephesus had you know had these things that were commendable about them, and and one of the things that was commendable about the church at Ephesus was they were so discerning about false doctrine, false teaching, couldn't stand they would expose all of that, but they weren't loving. Right. Church in Thyatira had a lot of people that were very loving, and yet they were involved in some really horrific sin too. Right. They were there was this woman, the prophetess Jezebel, and sexual immorality, and all and meat sacrifice to idol, all this horrible stuff going on. Right. And yet there was love in there. So you find what Jesus is doing is Jesus is giving a very – he has the eyes of burning fire. He's able to give a very accurate diagnosis of this is this is where you as a particular church are doing well, but this is where you are really struggling. Now, we don't have that kind of necessi- – you know, we're not going to have that kind of vision to be able to do that. But I think you find in there a pattern that when Jesus goes to Ephesus, he doesn't – Talk about Thyatira, and when he's, you know, he when he's going to Philadelphia, uh, he's not talking about Smyrna. He said, "Listen, I'm talking about you. I'm talking right. about us." And Brian, you're so right that you know there's it's it's possible for a pastor to feel courageous because he stands in the pulpit and he rails against the culture of death and he rails against you know homosexuality and like, well, boy, he's bold and he named you know this politician who he said something about Bernie Sanders or maybe even Mr. Trump, yeah, you know, to, whatever. To a room full of conservative to, to Republicans, room, yeah, right. right. Yeah. When you do that, there's, you know, 
congratulations. You know, so. Um, but by the way, here's why. Here is one of the reasons that this is an important topic for us to, to tackle now. As an SBC pastor, what has been exposed in the SBC with all the abuse that was hidden? Yep. This is really important because one of the ramifications I'm convinced of how much was going on in churches and nobody said anything right is that very it, uh, pastors who will stand up and preach against the sins of the culture and not deal with some heinous things going on in the midst of their own church right and so you yeah you need to have the opportunity to say guys I am not talking about out there I'm talking about I'm talking about conservative churches I'm talking about southern baptist churches I'm talking about reformed baptist churches reformed baptist no. churches have their own legacy right now sure of covering up child abuse in some of our churches, men protecting systems, power, leadership. Right, right. It's horrific. Yep. And that needs to be able to be exposed. I mean, I don't want to have that exposed. We're afraid of what it might mean. So another text, Brian, so we mentioned Jesus. A couple other things come to mind. Paul's letter to Titus, and he's he's left him there in Crete, and he says uh, at one point... um, one of one of the one of the Cretans, a prophet of their own, said, "Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons." Talk about stereotyping, right? Right. But then he says, "But this testimony is true." That was actually written like five hundred years before that. Mm-hmm. Still true of their culture. This testimony is true. Therefore, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith. And so, what he's saying is, Titus, you know, and I know there are sins that mark the culture and the church in which you live. And you got to address them, and then you go to the epistles, and and so in the in the church in Ephesus, you read through that. And what I talk about sometimes, you need to read backwards, and that is you need to figure out well why is he saying that? Why is he addressing this? So why does he tell certain people to to, to steal no longer? Yeah, because uh, there are some thieves in the church. Right. Why does he tell them to not lie to each other, but to speak the truth in love? Why does he confront bitterness and anger and wrath and malice and evil speaking and exhort them to have edifying conduct? Well, he's not just thinking, you know, these are good things. These are good characters. Just in case you might struggle with that. Oh, just in case it might be somewhere out there. I think I had this problem. You know, so the letters, the the Corinthian letter is different than the Philippian letter. The Philippian letter is different than the Galatian letter. Right. He's dealing in context with, with the folk entrusted to him. And we need to have... I think we, one of the things we're talking about here, Brian, is that there needs to be application in our preaching, a courageous application with a degree of bite hmm. that says, brethren, let's be honest, this is here. So we talk about, for instance, is you know the, the, the issue that pornography is rampant in, in evangelical churches. It's rampant in evangelical churches. I mean, the, the statistics are horrific, right? I mean, it's 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 80 90 percent we're talking about of, of guys and men and a large number of women a creepingly large number of women yeah, getting right. involved uh pornography masturbation and these kinds of things and you know you could so i could stand up there and say brother you know the statistics out there are such that it tells us that being you know um conservative and in your doctrine does not mean this is a safeguard because the numbers are out there. Mm. But then you can also say, and it's right in here. Mm. It's right in here. So how do we, so I'm talking about our women. I'm talking about our men. I'm talking about our young people. I'm talking about people that have good and sound, you know, so it begins to realize, listen, so, cause somebody might be sitting there and think oh, I'm the only guy in this church. I mean, surely nobody else, 
I'm the only guy, I'm the only girl, certainly I'm the only girl, I'm the only woman that has ever struggled with this. And you say, no, listen, this is out there. Or if it becomes aware, you know what, Brendan, there is a, there is a spirit of, of, uh, of comparison to other churches that introduces nothing other than pride. You know, we're constantly looking down, talking about, did you see this? Did you read that? Did you see what that church is doing? Oh, I can't believe I put it on YouTube, what this church is doing and that church. And it's like, well, look well to the way of your own house first. Mm-hmm. And, and we need to be people that do that, our own selves. But as pastors, and again, I'm not just saying let's stand up every week and think through every sin of every member of our congregation. But what I am talking about is that when the Word of God allows and is dealing with a certain topic, and you realize in your study that this is going to touch on some folks in our church and our congregation right now, and they may even think, oh, no, you know, when I start talking about it, oh, he, he's exposing me. No, listen, I'm not just – you may even have to say that. Listen, some of you might be afraid. You know, I, I'm betraying confidence. I'm not just talking – this isn't just one or two folks here. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is something – because if it was, I wouldn't deal with it publicly. So I think that you have touched on, you've already started to get into you know, how we try to do that, and I think that's, that's good. Let, we want to make sure we're in agreement, though, that we, we, we have part of our task as pastors is to be able to help people to walk in, uh, in holiness and to battle sin, to know there's grace with it, but also... But but we still have to face it, and we have to battle. It. We have to we have to call it out. So, but the question then is, how do we do that? You've started to touch on that a little bit, but how does a pastor do that? And to know, you brought a great example. I think you said it. To that doesn't mean like every week we're trying to figure out which sins right, we need right, to call right, out. Right, right. I think your your advice was sound, and that's that's one again one of the many reasons to be why we advocate to be to do expository preaching through books of the bible because let the text give you right. what you need to address so i actually i can personally say that one i ask two questions i'll i'll ask what does the text genuinely give me that i need to address in mm-hmm. our church whatever it is and it may be an encouragement not necessarily right. a challenge exactly. or a rebuke exactly. right. but the the other question i'll ask you is how much have i done this recently because I, I, in a sense, I want to be mindful of how much I am, I am um, challenging, how much I'm, I'm rebuking people or, or our church in certain ways, and how much uh, doing that all the time can right, be a right. really that's pain, all you ever do, a really that, hard thing. So that, exactly. So I actually, as, pastorally, for me, and it's not just that; it's trying to find a balance in general. But you know, if if I if I talk about something hard with our church and want to challenge and say, look. You know, this not loving each other like we should. This is I'm seeing signs of that. Mm-hmm. I'm concerned. I just want you to know, and I want to call us to uh, to deal with these things, to face the things, the the bitterness or the, the that's coming out sideways because we're not dealing we're not dealing with things in a healthy way, and we're talking and and trying to love each other through that. I mean, to talk about those things, but then to come back the next week. I've got to be mindful that I just did that the right. week before. I don't know if right. you think in that way, yeah, but I, no, I, I do. I think you're right. I do. And, and I, again, you know, there are some, this can be abused, you know, this can certainly be abused. I know there, 
in reform circles, reform Baptist circles, you know, it was kind of there was a time where if you didn't have your conscience rubbed raw, you weren't really being preached to. You know, yeah. oh, it was all about the love of God. I couldn't stand it. I I didn't feel at all convicted. You know, and you almost got this built in that you expected to be grabbed by the lapel and smacked in the face right. every week. No, some people some people expect that is that's what preaching yeah, is. Actually, and, and right, and that's not all that preaching is. But sometimes it, it is what has to come out. And so again, you go back to Titus. And he talks about this. So we work through chapter two. So it begins very practical. This is the the multi generational congregation, yep. men, women, everything right. being worked out there. And then he roots it, verse eleven, for the grace of God has appeared that brings salvation. And then but and so it's this wonderful grace, but then it trains us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passion, to live self controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people of his own possession, zealous for good works, declare these things. So what are these things? I think some of it is the practical. We need to live this way. Younger women, older women, younger men. We need to be invested in each other's lives, all of this. Declare these things. But it's also, it's all rooted in the gospel. Right. It's rooted in a yearning for the second coming. Exhort and rebuke with all authority. So exhort, that means that's come alongside, encourage with these things. Brethren, let's help each other. This is hard. We're struggling here. Sometimes we need to rebuke. And then he says, let no one disregard you. And, yeah. and so what he's saying is, listen, you're the vessel both of encouragement and rebuke. And, and so you need to be careful in how you present those things yeah. so that they're heard. Yeah. You can't be a hypocrite in it. You, you, I think you can't be overly indulgent in it. They're not going to hear you. So you've got to correctly hope in the word, try to, you know, if you're accusing the people of stuff that they're not doing, you know, like, it, you know, it, 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 I would be wrong. I, I would be doing my congregation a disservice if I said, you know, you're the most unloving church who doesn't Stop serve. Stop stealing. Yeah. You're stealing. Wait a minute. I haven't yeah. stole anything. Right, right. You know. And then you're going to be like, you're gonna, like you're, you pastor, you got a you know, tinfoil hat. You know, you're, it's not like you're saying aliens are coming, aliens are coming. You know, and, you know, that they go, he's nuts. He's, yeah. he's, he's seeing things. He's, yeah. but, you know, if you can say, listen, brother, I've been here a long time. And, and and we know each other and we love each other, and and but I, I think we're going through a period here of you know I think there's been some dryness. I think that we are our lack of zeal to pray. Evidence is what is that evidence about? Mm-hmm. What's it saying about us? Is yeah. that saying that we're trusting in our finances? You're trusting in the gifts God has given. We're like we don't really we're content. We're content. If these are all the people the Lord saves, we're content. Mm-hmm. This is as deep as we grow. We're content. As long as we got a nice building, good hymns, nice preaching, we're content. You know, so something like that. You know, you so you can say it in a way that's pleading. At other times, you say, brethren, that 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 spirit of independence. Is, is something that's strongly rebuked in God's word. In fact, God, you know, Jeremiah 17 says God puts his curse upon that. Mm-hmm. You know, so those kinds of things I think we can try to lovingly and carefully address as we try to take into, again, rooting things, a gospel-saturated ministry, Christ-focused, but also not shying from the practical application of God's word and, and having the, the courage and the confidence in dealing with a particular text that has an application that you know 
needs to be heard by some folks in your church, whether publicly or privately, mm-hmm. and not being afraid to say what needs to be said. Because again, it's easy to be the brave guy who touches you know, Hollywood's sins right. and doesn't address our culturally conservative sins and in this, our church. This is where pastors have to know themselves well. Are you one that is quick to be harsh and kind of want to go after the things and and come off mean and harsh about it? Mm. You've got to know that about yourself to be able to balance that out in the way that you try to talk about these things. Yeah, On the absolutely. flip side, to your point, you know, if you're the per- if you're the guy that doesn't ever want to talk about sin in the church and you just want to talk about other things, you don't want to deal with what might be the pushback for you to publicly address something that's rampant enough in the church that needs to be addressed in the public preaching, you, you've got to know that about yourself and ask God to be bold in what you need to say. Two things come to mind as you were talking that I think are important in finding this balance. Number one, make sure... So yes, we, we need to talk about sin in the pul- from the pulpit. We need to correct our congregation just as it's modeled in the New Testament by Paul mm-hmm. and others. Um, but make sure you do it. And this is what I think we see consistently with Paul. Do it and make sure there's gospel hope attached to it. Absolutely. You're calling people to look at sin and address that. And they've got to know that that the Spirit can empower us to walk right. in this better, yep. that there's forgiveness when we confess yep. our sins and go to, go to Christ in that way. So make sure there's always gospel hope attached to that. That's where I find where churches can get the reputation of, of kind of being that harsh kind of legalistic church that just calls mm. out sin all the time. A lot of times, I mean, it depends on a lot of things, but a lot of times it's it's when there's an absence of the hope of the gospel attached to that mm. and how we deal with whatever you're addressing. The second thing I would say is pastors need to include themselves in the rebuke. Right. So when, when pastors stand up and say, you know, how it, you know, you do this, you need to do this better in a harsh way that do, that makes it feel very accusatory from that man. Mm-hmm. You're the pastor. <laughs> right, yeah. What is it what has been lacking it. in your own right, right. Own the, it, buddy. Hey, I mean, this has grown a, in, right. This pride has grown under my ministry. Yeah, and I I found one of the things where my congregation receives correction better than anything is when before I even say it, say I want to first say that what I'm about to say has happened on my watch as the pastor of this church. Right. I have let it happen. I have ignored things, and right. we got here because of me. Right, right. And when I have owned that, the church receives it in a totally different way. So, right. so that would be the other piece of advice. Include yourself. Own mm-hmm. what you need to own. Mm-hmm. It's amazing what people will, re- will receive. Mm-hmm. That works really well with your wife and kids, too, by the way. <laughs> Any final thought on this, Jim? Yeah, I, I think we need to do this with hope, uh, that the Lord... Uh, loves it when his people, you know, if my people called by my name will humble themselves and pray, acknowledge their sin. You know, God, that, that's a that's that's not a promise made to America, by the way. That's uh, a promise made to God's old covenant people. I think with application to the church, right. that we will humble ourselves and recognize those things. Uh, the Lord looks upon the one who is lowly of spirit and trembles at His word. Uh, and when we do that, when we show that we are ready and able to receive the truth and rebuke and reproof and respond to that in faith, Christ Christ, with his hope and with the power of the Holy Spirit, that God will honor that in our midst. That's good. So let me pray for that end. Lord, we, we know it's hard to deal with issues of sin in the church. Uh, we know we don't handle it well as pastors often. 
So we ask that you would help us. Help us to know how to lovingly and yet accurately and boldly address the sin that's in the midst, not in the culture, but in our own midst, in our own churches, and that you would help us to be humble to take ownership of under our leadership, the church struggles in these ways. Lord, help us to know the things that we can't change, that has to be a work of your spirit. And we pray, Lord, you would help us to be faithful ministers of your word, knowing your word is what breathes life, that the spirit uses it to change and transform us and our people. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.